really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm going to be talking about how to be happy. And if you listened in last week, you'll know that I talked last week about why bad things happen. And that topic plus today's topic, how to be happy, both came to me when I searched on Google for the questions that are most frequently asked about life and why bad things happen was one of those questions and how to be happy was another and there were a dozen other questions that I wrote down that I'll be talking about in the future. But I thought it would be kind of interesting to address these common questions that people everywhere are asking about life and to see what kinds of answers I can come up with. When it comes to how to be happy, I have to admit right off the bat, I am no expert in happiness. In fact, my experience is much more about trying to be happy and wanting to be happy rather than being happy. So I can speak of the journey of the work that I've done toward happiness much more than what it is like to dwell in happiness all the time. And my first quest for happiness, which I I always thought that I was a happy person. I didn't really know any better. I just thought I was plenty happy, happy enough. Until when I was in college for two summers, I worked as a camp counselor at a Lutheran camp for kids. And one of the other counselors there was named Martha Day. And Martha was this amazing person who was always smiling, always full of joy. You could feel her joy from across the room. All you had to do was look at her face and you would just feel like the brightest light shone on you from her. And she she just emanated happiness and joy all the time. In fact, for an entire summer of working with her, I never once saw her be angry or sad or distressed. She just seemed to be in this state of happiness all the time. And it was getting to know Martha that made me realize that I was not like that. And in fact, one thing I I wanted to tell you, we had uh, some musicians who were who were also counselors who formed a band that summer when we were all working together and they wrote a song for Martha and it was called There's No Sunny Day Like Martha. I was extremely jealous that Martha had a song written for her, but I also understood that I am not anyone's sunny day. I am just, I'm not a sunny person. I'm not a bright, shining glowing person like Martha is, and I didn't understand why. I wanted that so much. I wanted to be just like Martha. And I actually tried during that summer to emulate her. I watched her. Like, how does she talk? What does she do? How does she use her time? I tried to be like Martha as much as I possibly could to do whatever she did to see if if I could be happy like she was. But it didn't work at all. In fact, 
I almost felt more miserable once I discovered how happy Martha was and recognized how I was not very happy, how far away from that kind of happiness I was. It was really the first time I had been able to look at myself and see something within myself that I didn't like very much. So I learned something that summer that you cannot force or fake happiness. You cannot create it out of a desire to have it. You cannot make yourself be happier than you are just because you want to do that. You can work towards it, and I'll talk a lot about that, about how we do that. But happiness, at least the way it appeared to me that summer, happiness just comes of its own accord. There's some mystery about it. Maybe some people are born with it. I wasn't, and... For some reason, I didn't have it, and I couldn't have it. It didn't seem to come to me. And I'm going to share with you a poem called Happiness by Jane Kenyon. There's just no accounting for happiness, or the way it turns up like a prodigal who comes back to the dust at your feet, having squandered a fortune far away. And how can you not forgive? You make a feast in honor of what was lost and take from its place the finest garment which you saved for an occasion you could not imagine. And you weep night and day to know that you were not abandoned, that happiness saved its most extreme form for you alone. No, happiness is the uncle you never knew about, who flies a single-engine plane onto the grassy landing strip, hitchhikes into town, and inquires at every door until he finds you asleep mid-afternoon, as you so often are during the unmerciful hours of your despair. It comes to the monk in his cell. It comes to the woman sweeping the street with a birch broom to the child whose mother has passed out from drink. It comes to the lover, to the dog chewing a sock, to the pusher, to the basket maker, and to the clerk stacking cans of carrots in the night. It even comes to the boulder in the perpetual shade of pine barrens, to rain falling on the open sea, to the wine glass weary of holding wine. Now, this poem I love, it really sums up this idea that happiness is somewhat fleeting and not in our control. Happiness comes, comes to us, but we cannot really determine how or when it's going to come. We can't force it. We can't make it happen. And so for many years after meeting Martha, as I said, I was on a journey to figure out how I could be more happy. And granted, there were many moments of great joy and happiness in my life. I got married. I had two children. But underneath it all, I knew that I did not shine like Martha did. I didn't bring sunshine into the world. There was something darker deep inside of me. And whatever that darkness was, was hiding whatever light might be wanting to come out in me. The light wasn't visible because there was something dark and painful that I was carrying. I began to see that around the time my second child was born. And I started 
I started journaling. I started doing some work to go inside. It was my first inkling that maybe happiness isn't something outside of me that I can find by looking around me for it. Maybe it's something inside of me that I have to work on in order to discover. Rumi, the Sufi poet and philosopher, said, Oh, happy the soul that saw its own faults. And that was really the discovery I was beginning to make at that time. So I had just started doing inner work. I had started some meditation and, as I said, journaling and really trying to explore this darkness that was in me when my father died of suicide. And I've told this story many times before. I was devastated by my dad's death and suffered greatly with my grief and guilt over his suicide. And I really plunged even more deeply into the darkness that was inside of me. And I remember thinking year after year while I was dealing with my grief that I might never smile again. At that point, happiness seemed so elusive. It seemed impossible to me that there would there was no way I was ever going to get out of this deep, dark pit that I was in and find a way to be happy. And in fact, even to just smile for a moment spontaneously, I couldn't imagine that even happening. But I didn't know it then. Working through all of this darkness and pain was actually the path that was eventually, after years and years, going to help me discover my own happiness within. My dad's death really broke me apart inside, and perhaps it opened me up to my darkness more so that I could see it and experience it even more and recognize it. I I dove straight into it. That's what enabled me to start working on it, to start understanding it, asking it where it came from, why it was there, and to gradually, slowly find a way to embrace my own darkness and to begin to love those parts of myself that I had rejected a long time ago, to to love my darkness and to even love the possibility that maybe I would never be happy, maybe I would never smile again, but to begin to accept that about myself, that seemed to be a crucial turning point for me to be able to be content with how things were in my life and no longer seeking and demanding that I be happy, no longer looking for it outside of myself, but just being where I was with whatever I was. And there's another Rumi quote, which I also love. (laughs) He says, ever since happiness heard your name, it has been running through the streets trying to find you. I now love that image Uh, especially in light of Jane Kenyon's poem about, about the idea that happiness comes to all sorts of people in all sorts of situations. And so the idea that all of that time, while I was working on my darkness, happiness was trying to find me and looking for me. But I had to be doing the work inside of me so that happiness, my own happiness, could find me and could break through the darkness. So over time, and I'm talking about years and years of time, a gradual shift began to occur. And I found myself becoming 
lighter and lighter inside. And I'm talking about lighter in terms of weight. I was carrying less heaviness within me, less of a burden of this heavy, heavy darkness and pain, but also light in terms of luminescence. I was becoming aware that I did have a shining light somewhere inside of me. It was still, it was just a tiny little dot of light that I could see at times, but I was becoming aware that I had light within me like Martha had, but my light had just been hidden for such a long time and I was finally beginning to see it. And there were even times when I did spontaneously smile, when I did feel a little bit of joy. But one event that moved me forward very, very rapidly was the death of my mother. And she was 89 years old. She was ready to die. She wanted to die at home in her, in her own bed. And I was able to come and stay with her and be with her during her last days of life. Now, my mom and I had had a very tense and painful relationship all of my life, which was associated with some of the darkness that I carried inside. But during that incredible week that I spent with her before she died, we had these amazing, miraculous encounters together that I literally felt as if walls inside of me that had been built throughout my, my psyche to protect me came crashing down every day. Something new fell down and there was more openness within me. More light was beginning to shine within me as mom and I navigated the last days of her life. And there was something so beautiful about being with mom, allowing her to die the way she wanted to die in her own home, and just being able to sit with her and sit in peace. And I have to say that at the moment she died, I experienced a joy within me that I could not explain. I didn't, it made no sense to me. I didn't understand why would I feel joy? My mother died and it was confusing to me, but I understood that somehow there had been this incredible release for her when she died and, and left behind the physical plane. And that became a release for me as well. And it was as if the last bit of darkness took flight and flew away from me. And suddenly the light was there. I could see it. I could feel it. I could walk down the street and know that it was shining within me. And Rumi, another, another quote from Rumi is, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. That describes so well what I experienced that day at the time of my mom's death, this river of joy moving through me that honestly I had never felt in my entire life. And so I'm not implying at all that I was happy or joyful that my mom died. I still felt grief and sadness that I didn't have my mom anymore, that I couldn't talk to her again. But something was... Something was released within me that allowed the light inside of me to come forward and that allowed me to experience joy and happiness. 
And so I have one more poem that I want to read to you. And it's called So Much Happiness by Naomi Shihab Nye. It is difficult to know what to do with so much happiness. With sadness, there's something to rub against, a wound to tend with lotion and cloth. When the world falls in around you, you have pieces to pick up, something to hold in your hands like ticket stubs or change. But happiness floats. It doesn't need you to hold it down. It doesn't need anything. Happiness lands on the roof of the next house, singing, and disappears when it wants to. You are happy either way. Even the fact that you once lived in a peaceful treehouse and now live over a quarry of noise and dust cannot make you unhappy. Everything has a life of its own. It too could wake up filled with possibilities of coffee cake and ripe peaches and love even the floor which needs to be swept, the soiled linens and scratched records. Since there is no place large enough to contain so much happiness, you shrug, you raise your hands, and it flows out of you into everything you touch. You are not responsible. You take no credit, as the night sky takes no credit for the moon, but continues to hold it and share it, and in that way, be known. That poem gives me goosebumps as I read it, because I love this idea that there's actually far more happiness than any of us could possibly contain. It's, it's abundant. It's bursting from us. It's flowing everywhere. And once we experience it, once we are able to allow the happiness within us to be released, because we've done our inner work and we've removed all the obstacles to that happiness, then nothing else truly can make us unhappy. We are able to carry that happiness with us wherever we go. And that is amazing to me. That's how Martha Day was. She carried the happiness wherever she went. She raised her hands and it flowed out of her into everything she touched just as this poem says. And that is the person that I was becoming as well and have been gradually, slowly, gradually becoming over these last few years. Again, without understanding why or how, why it came when it did, why, why it arrived at the time that it did, why did this all happen? I don't know for sure, but I'm just describing to you that it has happened for me. And finally, so many years later, I, I feel like I'm becoming a sunnier day than I ever was before in the past. And so I wanted to sum this up for you a little bit with just a few suggestions about happiness. And the very first one where you have to start is don't compare yourself to others. Because I think the single biggest source of feeling dissatisfied with life and feeling you're not good enough or you don't have what you wish you had is to compare yourself to others like I did to Martha. Although my comparison to her is what actually caused me to wake up to the fact that I was carrying a lot of darkness, that I wasn't a sunny, happy person. But don't spend your time 
looking at what other people have and wishing that you could have it. It's far more important that you discover what is hidden within you that you don't already know about. I think also you have to trust that happiness will come to you when you are ready. If you don't feel it now and you don't have it now, assume that it just isn't quite the right timing yet. You're not quite ready for it yet. There's something more to work on. Remember that you cannot force the happiness. You can't, with your mind, decide that you're going to be happy and make yourself be happy. And faking it also doesn't work. So understand that happiness is within you. It will show itself when the timing is right. And therefore, remember It is an inside job. The work that you need to do is your own inner healing work. Be willing to go inside and look at your own shadow. What is there that needs to be explored? What wounds are you carrying? What pain are you carrying? What darkness is there? Because all of that heavy weight is obscuring the light of happiness that is within you. And any any bit of work that you do at helping to remove some of the darkness, helping to alleviate it and loosen it and let it go will help you feel lighter and lighter as you go through this process. So this third point, happiness is an inside job, not an outside job. So be willing to go within yourself and do your inner healing work. The fourth suggestion I have is to savor each moment of joy that comes. Because even if you don't can't feel sustained happiness that's there all the time, you will still have moments of joy, amazing moments of beautiful joy, when you will feel happy for a brief time. And so savor those times when they're there. Make the most of those times. Practice being fully present when you are in a place or experiencing something that is bringing you joy, get every drop of that joy that you possibly can and savor it because you will actually be training yourself, training your brain in some ways to seek more happiness, to create more of that feeling of happiness within you. And you'll be reminding yourself that it's worth it to do the inner work so that you can discover your own inner happiness. So practice just being in the present moment, not worrying too much about the past, not fearing the future too much. Just be where you are and experience it as fully as possible. The next suggestion I have, and this comes from Naomi Shihab Nye's poem, recognize happiness in the possibilities. She talks about the possibilities of coffee cake and ripe peaches. And so in each moment to see there is a possibility of something even greater than what I'm experiencing right now. There is a possibility of joy and of happiness here. And I want to be able to see it wherever I can, whatever it is, the tiniest little droplet of joy I want to see and experience. So remember to look for the possibilities. And then finally, she, Naomi Shihab Nye also says this, everything has a life of its own. And so I think that is, that's an important message I'm trying to grasp right now, that 
the happiness that I feel moment to moment right now may not always be here because everything has a life of its own. And so there will be changes and there will be ups and downs. There will be times when I fall back into the pit of despair for a while. And it's important to be prepared for that and to understand that about life and to, to allow life to flow in its own direction, wherever it's going and simply go with the flow, let your life Go there and let yourself accept what comes next and what happens next for you. But meanwhile, savor all the joy that you have right now, but feel prepared for a day that is less joyful and to know that you can survive that day. You can get through that day because you've had the greatest happiness and the greatest joy in other moments. You can survive the sorrow or the pain, whatever comes to you when things change. So these six things, again, I'll just state them briefly as a reminder to you. Don't compare yourself to others. Trust happiness to come to you when you are ready. Happiness is an inside job, not, not an outside job. So do your inner healing work. Savor each moment that comes to you and practice being present. Recognize happiness in all the possibilities of your life and learn that everything has a life of its own and be able to let things go when that time comes. So if you are trying to figure out how to be happy, I hope me talking about my journey and sharing some of these poems and thoughts with you is helpful to you as well. Don't compare yourself to me. Just be you. Look at your own life, do your own work. But uh, I hope you found a little bit of inspiration to know that happiness can be there. It's a possibility for each one of us. Happiness is already within us. Our inner work is removing all the things that are obscuring the light and the joy that is already there. So... Until the next time we come together, remember that we're really here for love. Love is the most important thing you can focus on. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life brings you next, and love each and every moment of your precious life. Bye-bye.